Welcome to Baldly Go, the officially unofficial podcast for all of Star Trek. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking Season 2, Episode 6 of Strange New Worlds, Lost in Translation. Uh, Aaron, how'd you feel about this Uhura-centric episode? I like the Uhura eccentricity. Uh, I'm sorry, centricity, uh, whatever. Yes. I I think I think this... Um, the more Star Trek you've seen, maybe the less impressive this episode is because this definitely feels like a remix of like themes that have happened again and again and again. Like, you know, we are trying to exploit the resource. It's harming something that we didn't know about. And do we continue the naked acquisition of greed or do we stop to spare the ecosystem? Um, you know, this is the Horta this is Data's uh, nanite crystal uh, things from that one report. Like this, this happens in Star Trek a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, mixed I thought is interesting because, like, I was I thought it's like, wow, we do not see the inside of a nacelle very much at all. Yes. And I, in fact, I think this might be the first time. So I did some research. Turns out there's a season seven episode of uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation called "Eye of the Beholder." where Deanna goes into the nacelle because an incident has committed suicide in there to investigate. And she, the entire episode is like, takes place in the three or four seconds that a psychic echo of someone who died building the enterprise in the utopia planitia shipyards. Wow. The psychic echo was causing people who are empathic to commit suicide whenever they're, so it's like there's this kind of like um, the idea that something is connecting to a highly empathetic person uh, to get them to, you know, to do do something. Like I said, it feels like a lot of remix of Star Trek ideas, but it's it's fine. It's fine. Um, and like I said, I really liked fleshing out Uhura's character. I like mm-hmm. that we're getting a lot of Jim Kirk. I don't know mm-hmm. how they're going to continue to have him in the series as much and not feel forced. But so far, they're doing it. Yeah, uh, this one felt a little forced, but all right, I'll allow it. A little forced? Why? He's celebrating a promotion with his brother? Like, that's something you do. Yeah. I don't know. They're out on the edge of the explored, of the known explored galaxy, and here he is showing up for a meet and greet with his brother on his birthday. Yeah. Yeah. A little forced. So like I said, with their location, sto- it's a little forced, but whatever. Uh, the bottom line, I think the storyline is okay. Character work, uh, well above average. I like this episode. It's fine. Not 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 great, but it's it's good. What about you? Mm-hmm. Uh, can, can I ask you, have you ever seen a Bassard Ram, uh, Bassard Ram Scoop used? I this have might seen be the first time I've seen that. Uh-huh. Reversed to as a threat display to the, yep. it, wasn't it the, the Packlids, the we look for things to make 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 <laughs> us go. They're I, stupid I think, enough to think that's a threat, yeah. Yeah. Um but no, that was that was I was excited to see the Bassard Ram scoops scooping. Yeah, me too. Uh I thought it was cool. I I I don't know, that effect looked really good too, of them kind of opening up and swirling around and scooping in some deuterium. Uh, I thought it was cool. Here's the thing, I enjoyed this episode. I think it's misplaced. I think this episode belongs in season 1. Like, I know it was very close to the finale. You kind of can't... You needed that finale, but you kind of needed an extra episode in season one or to move the death of Himmer around because it feels much too late to be worried about the death of Himmer so intensely. I I think they needed this to follow that much more closely to hit uh, emotionally in the way that they wanted. But other than that, 
I have very little problems with it. I enjoyed it. Um, I see what you're saying. I think it's interesting because, like, most of the time, especially in Star Trek, that has very little continuity. If a major character dies, they're going to grapple with it. That episode or the next episode, then probably, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. <laughs> Tashiar dies and they you know deal with it and then the only time they deal with it again is every three you know every two or three seasons you remind that they had a sexual relationship with a human woman and they draw they pull out the Tashiar hologram and uh-huh. there's your reminder um so like I kind of think it's cool that they are showing the crew's ongoing mourning and it's not just one character that's like Una Chen yeah. Riley was having problems Uhura's having problems with it so I guess I don't mm-hmm. mind, but because I was thinking, yeah, it is weird to be in episode six and dealing with something that happened in episode nine of last season. But on the other hand, I'm like, okay, what if this was the first episode? But then and like that, that, that fucks up better, the yeah. lot on with the Kirk. And I really like the right. Kirk, they, they have you know. a problem with with it, it, these things are so interconnected, right? That, that's yeah. more so than a typical Star Trek. Episode. That's the problem with continuity, right? Yeah. You actually have to. Yeah. So, so they kind of had a chicken and egg thing here where I needed Himmer's death to be more fresh in my mind as a viewer um, to really feel it. But you also needed to set up Pelia. You needed to, like you said, have right. the Lon Kirk stuff so it would be meaningful um, and have Kirk there. And like all that stuff needs to happen, but also it needs to be a little closer to the event, I thought. Episode two, yeah. episode three, maybe? I think you're saying that, like, I, I again, this this episode felt like it was a little bit assembled from spare Star Trek parts. And, um, you know, I think you talking about the pacing overall of the season that we've had some, like, mm-hmm. really interesting sci-fi takes I haven't seen before. We've seen some action-packed episodes, seen some hilarious character work. And this one just kind of felt like, eh, it's an episode. Um, yeah, and, I like the universal uh, translator angle of this where they're comparing it to that. And, and uh, you know, it's... It's not so much like a direct empathic communication like you would get with Dana Troy, but it's like using right. your own memories to try and convey something. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, or you're, you're conveying an emotional payload, and then your brain tries to interpret that in the way it makes sense yeah. to you. I thought that's 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 solid, yeah. It, it was neat, and I'm sure it's something that's also been done several times in Star Trek before, but right. I don't remember it, so it was kind of fresh to me. Yeah. It's no uh, Darmok at Jalad when the, the walls fall no. fall but uh it's not Jalad's J- Darmok at uh-huh. is it Jalad and and Jalad at Tanagra yeah at Tanagra when the walls fell yep um okay yeah no I like I said it's 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 fine it's not the worst episode of Star Trek I've ever seen it's not the no. best episode of course. Star Trek sometimes mm-hmm. Star Trek also, most of the time also, uh, they kind of were kind of like bearing the lead. The uh, the climactic meeting of James T. Kirk and Spock happened. And what do you think yeah. about that? Because that's another thing where this episode's kind of leaving me cold because it's a moment and they treat it as such, but it's kind was of like a nothing moment. Yeah, yeah. What was the rest of the episode earning that? No, I. I... It feels like a tacked on thing, but it should be this momentous thing and they try and play it that way. And I didn't I, I didn't feel it. I, I, yeah. And that's not even true. They do a good job in that scene, mm-hmm. but it's just one scene in an episode that has roughly nothing to do with that. Well, these are like two of the most hollowed characters in Star Trek canon. And the fact that they just meet at a bar 
you know talking over the the denouement of Uhura's episode is like I thought that they would be like I always thought that they would be butting heads you know that they would there's such a such a wild mix of characteristics that would take them a while to fully appreciate yeah. now of course you come to the bar and like I don't know that Jim Kirk is the type of guy that's like hey I'm a Vulcan ah <laughs> oh, you logical bastard I'm a man of passion <laughs> right. and emotion <laughs> punch him in the face but like I kind of uh -huh. wanted you know a mission that would yes. that would highlight that would show that they have these very different approaches but i don't know maybe they have a meet cute and then they uh have to work together in a later season a later episode i hope a later season and they do have because like I, I that's what my impression that they they always had it was something that wasn't like an easy friendship right they, i think that leads to some of the best friendships is like when you have to overcome like a difference of opinion a difference of culture difference of lifestyle um so yeah I, I thought it was kind of a weird kind of like hey look oh spock and kirk shaking hands wow yeah yeah it felt like too big of a moment to be given the treatment it got um but we'll see there's there's time you know they could do a an episode with them having the well, relationship it's one of things where there's only so many big moments that this show can have in mm -hmm. terms of like you know us meeting people for the first time and you know there's a couple like scotty is a big one you know we've had a revolving chief engineer uh eventually we're going to get mccoy i imagine like towards the end of the series i don't know if they're actually going to go all the way to that era of star trek um but like there's only so many and like we've gotten through like we've already met uh kirk mm -hmm. uhura, captain's chair it, it felt like a big episode for kirk and uhura for sure i just don't know if they needed to tack on the spock stuff yet Kind of, yeah. I, I wish they would have given that its own episode. Yeah. We should anyway. probably talk about this episode. Yeah, let's get into the recap. Set phasers to add. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Captain on Bridge, welcome back to Baldly Go. We start off with uh, a comms officer log from Uhura who says the Enterprise is going to a nebula where there's a deuterium mining operation. Starfleet's trying to get off the ground. It's had some problems. Uh, on the bridge, Uhura's tired. Spock suggests they refuel uh, by collecting some of that deuterium since they're here. And they do, and then Uhura hears a signal that seems like she can't replicate it which is strange. There's no recording of it. Just kind of in her head. Uh, I also didn't mention that Pike has got to upgrade temporarily to fleet captain and they make some noise about that. Yeah. He's got a new shiny insignia. His cat, mm -hmm. his uh, communicator now has a black circle around it, which I, I suppose um, indicates that he's captain of the fleet. Yeah. And it's like, you know, he's like, yeah, fleet. I got the Farragut in this gas station at my command. And I'm, I'm going to end up destroying my, one of my commands by the end of this episode. But uh, yeah. And they're going to take it away from me as soon as the mission's over. So don't get too excited. Nice to see a non-personal log entry uh, from a Starfleet officer to begin the episode. Like we've had so many personal uh -huh. fucking logs where this is business. We're doing some business this episode. Yeah. Um, I like and they talk about the importance of this 
particular location, how it could be a jumping off point for the next great age of exploration. And it's also pretty close to Gorn space, which that was a plot point they brought up. Um, they were worried about the Gorn kind of encroaching and getting closer and something coming their way from Gorn space. And they have kind of dropped that until now. This is the second mention we've had of it. No, I'm glad like uh, Gorn's the big bad. Like, you know, they made a big impression last season. I think that could be cool. Uh, Mm -hmm. But like also in prototypical Starfleet uh, fashion, they're trying to, you know, say like, oh, we're here because this is at the frontier of exploration and it's going to be it's going to unlock a quarter of the whole quadrant. And then it's like, also, isn't it close to Gorn space? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's uh, we might have to go. to, But it's like, you know, the the Federation's the classic, you know, to if you want peace, prepare for war kind of thing. Feel like they're packum bellum or whatever the fuck uh john wick latin applies here i feel, uh, feel like they're yeah. doing that they're preparing for war mm-hmm. there's and also, also the scene where they bust open the bassard collectors and the bassard tubes man fucking love yeah. it someone someone's read the technical manuals and we're as, as, <laughs> as excited to see uh and it's so like i guess we should say this for fans that don't know for the longest time, it's been established in technical jargon and lore and episodes like the, the Packlids where they 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 um, reverse flush the deuterium through the scoops and made this big red mist appear in front of the Enterprise as a fake weapon to scare someone away without killing them. Uh, but the idea is like uh, that the Enterprise is self-sufficient. It uh, If it needs to, if it runs out of its gas as deuterium uh, fuel, it can use these Bassard scoops that use magnetic fields to funnel interstellar hydrogen uh isotopes into the collector that can then go to the main engine um and there's also a process where they can turn matter into antimatter by right. applying some kind of unknown physical force to reverse the polarity of the the matter so like the enterprise and it, they always mention it this is like emergency survival you'll be le- you, know, you cannot collect enough fuel like to top off your tanks and certainly the antimatter part but like mm-hmm. it's something I always thought that was cool that like there's no way for an enterprise to actually run out of gas as long as it's got propulsion mm-hmm. um, and it's near a uh, uh, hydrogen rich enough place, I guess. And it doesn't go too fast through the cloud of deuterium because yeah, makes a the point that yeah, they can use more than... fuel than they gain, which yeah. Okay. So I've, yeah, I've been wanting to see this since I was like 13 years old. Super cool to see finally. Yeah. Then Uhura goes to uh, Nacelle. I forget which Nacelle. The port Nacelle, maybe? I can't remember. Uh, to recalibrate the communications array with some help from recordings that Himmer made with her. Uh, Pelia tries to strike up a conversation, but Uhura's busy, so she only gives her the most basic of attention, and she goes back to watching Himmer fondly in this scene. She's watching Uhura tube. This very much felt like <laughs> Hammer's series on how to maintain port nacelles or communication systems. Yeah, no, it uh, it, and it's, it it turns out that's exactly what it is. No, it's it's great. I thought Hammer was one of my favorite characters last season. I was sad to see him go, and I was actually kind of happy to see you know him him back and and because it, it yeah I, I'm with you. It never really sat. In fact, did I not say this in episode one or two that never quite sat well with me that they just moved on from him or um mm-hmm. so like given like you know this episode of, of having like a, a a few of the crew you know kind of check in how they're feeling about him i thought it was appropriate yeah and he's 
makes for a terrifying zombie, turns out. Oh, yeah. I uh, thought the... Pipe- Yep. The, I also just the, I thought the nacelle control room was also a really cool set. Mm-hmm. I love like how you can just tell like the the red window in the front. That's the one that the points to the the, the the scoop, and then you see the big warp coils is going on, and in the endless hallway, that's the nacelle. It's like I don't know. I think that's that's cool. The idea that you you ride an elevator to the top of this pylon, and boom, here's where the magic mm-hmm. happens. Super cool. Yeah, this set very much felt to me more like the original series than any of the sets that we see it didn't Mm. didn't quite have the sleekest of updates like you know all the bridge and conference rooms and corridors and stuff do so i don't know maybe maybe that's just me but it felt more like the original series yeah no i can see it all right let's go to pike and una talking about why the enterprise was sent to get uh, the refinery operational it's apparently had some logistical problems uh then uhura gets in a turbo lift and sees a zombified hammer snapping at her uh these organizational shocked. difficulties i think by the end we're going to understand that it wasn't organizational it was obviously aliens yeah um, I, I was shocked the, the zombie hammer. I thought that uh, worked really well. Uh, I thought he's scary. It's unexpected. Um, yeah, like, yeah. what the fuck is happening? I mean, I clearly I knew it was a vision, but I was like, you know, where is this going? And he looks great. This, yeah, is this a memory that Uhura has of a zombified hammer snapping at her in a turbo lift? I'm you know that's the one thing it doesn't track right like if they're like are but i i wonder if there's some kind of like uh you know you can't kill me in any way that matters kind of thing going on because i don't i don't think these like the the, my my impression is these aliens are higher dimensional beings that you know are pushing through our space and we're unable to perceive them because they're you know uh but the but the still they're they're physical beings and they're entangled in our matter so when when we're scooping parts of it out to throw through our engines it's not killing them it's just extreme sending them in extreme pain or it's mm. diminishing them or something and i think that's them trying to you know, like if you beam that idea that like, well, you're not killing us necessarily, but you're hurting us. But no, they people are dying. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, know. They're, you're they're right. definitely killing them in some capacity. I mean, that's what Uhura says later. Because all the other visions, when she she walks us through it at the end of the episode, I think they do tie to the thoughts and you know the definitions are trying to beam into her brain. But yeah, zombie himmer. What the hell was that? <laughs> Maybe just a wake up call, just like get her attention, right? Yeah, it's a pretty intense image. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but it's uh yeah, definitely got her attention for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then Uhura gets an examination from Mbinga, who thinks she has deuterium poisoning and needs some sleep as well. So he takes her off duty to get rest. Uh, she's been working herself to the bone, I think, to avoid uh thinking about Hammer, right? Uh, and mm-hmm. her family and all the stuff that's coming back. That's up. her strategy is to, you know. Con- conceal and push all those feelings down so she doesn't have to deal with them yeah and Pelia kind of points that out later and not so not so not to her face but to Una she's talking about you know these reminders that mm. they're that she's giving her and Pella, I don't know if we talked about this, but like Pella was talking to Uhura because she's like, you know, what the hell are you doing in my nacelle room? And she explained it and she's like, why haven't you talked to me? So this is kind of like a Pella episode and that she is 
I mean, she's been around long enough. She knows exactly what's going on, but she's trying to lead the crew to the realization that they need so they can get on with their professional relationship. And I, I thought, mm-hmm. I, I again, I don't have any problem, Pelia. Are you, is you warming up to her yet? Is she still? Nope. No. Nails on chalkboard. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Still not doing it for me. What is it? Is it the accent? It, it's it's the whole demeanor. It, uh, I, maybe I'm an Una here, but she's sloppy and she's kind of annoying. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's everything about her, honestly. She's thousands of years old. I think you would get a little sloppy. You, you, you'd learn a different, like, you know, like you'd have your own ideas of what is important, what's not important, and no genetically modified 40-year-old whippersnapper is going to tell it. And and I, I also thought that um, even if you don't like her approach, like Una's approach of... You know, like, well, we're just going to fix, just just deal with the problem in front of me. We see the weakness of that, too, because she wasn't seeing the bigger picture. So, no, like, Pelly I don't know. I feel right. like it was a... It's just mm-hmm. everything about her demeanor. I just, she's well, an asshole. Look, I'm not... Thousand, maybe she acts like a thousand-plus-year-old, multi-thousand-year-old being, and then I should, I should know that. I'm not yeah. thousands of years old. Not yet, anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I'm not, I'm not handling it very well. Fair enough. Call me Una, but that's how I feel. Uh, speaking of Una, she's in charge of fixing the refinery, and Pelia's out there with her, and she's got some teams working on it, but Pelia comes up and says, I think there's some underlying issue that we haven't figured out yet, and Una's like, you know what? Just go do what I told you to do. I don't, I really- I don't know that she gives her direct orders here. She says later you disobeyed a direct order. I... I never picked up on a direct order, but okay. They were probably I prior direct orders. I agree. Like he's saying it's like I'm the issues will uh, come to light as we fix the under like I think that's like you could extrapolate that like your commanding officer doesn't want you to do this, but like a direct order Yeah. Words usually preceded by words like I'm giving you a direct order, you know, yes. like when you're wanting to do it like got court martial things. Like you I have don't know. to say that's an order. Yeah, you have to yeah. say it for it to be a direct order. You can and say I really an implied like, order. I really like it's like sometimes in Star Trek episodes, the A and B plot don't connect at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're just literally in two parallel tracks. Uh, but I always like it when they do connect. I really like it when you feel like you've got an A B plot that are not connected, that are deeply connected. And I think they did a good job of like showing in the margins of like you know like there's this mystery like why. Why is a star base running behind? You know, is this like mm-hmm. this? A, and, and, and then you see Pella, who's we've, we is a, is a smart engineer, saying like this stuff is fix fa- breaking faster than we can fix it. And the idea that like these deuterium beings are sabotaging the works and like gumming it up because they're desperately trying to stop it and mm-hmm. efficient Starfleet trying to fix things as fast as they break. It's I, I liked it because like uh, you know you are more than halfway through the episode before you see how these things connect, and uh, I thought that was pretty good. And the core of why Una's acting the way she is ties back to the same feelings that Uhura is having with Himmer, right? Like she reminds him of the dead engineer. Yeah, I think emotionally and plot-wise it connects. And it's also like I I like the Pella is fighting for her position on the ship, you know? Like she she sees that they are not really accepting her. So instead of like meekly trying to she's she's tackling the bull head on. Like I'm a, you know, you are going to acknowledge your feelings and get over it and then, you know, if you want to hate me for for 
good reasons to hate me, fine. But like, let's not pretend it's because I gave you a C plus on your shitty engineering report, Una. Or yeah, you know, you just haven't had time, Uhura. Like, I, I like I like a person who is direct like that. Uh, quickly, Uhura can't sleep because she's having nightmares and hearing the signal. Um, I, I think this is the scene where she's seeing kind of a glimpse of the shuttle memory that we don't know what it is yet. There's just kind of fire in the distance and she's yeah, out in like the a, field. Yeah, there's a forest on fire, but it's, yeah, as you go in the episode, you'll appreciate that this is her shuttlecraft that killed her entire family, her mom Apparently, and dad at least. I, did we have any hint of that in prior episodes or was this the first we were I don't because again I was watching season one more as a fan and yeah. uh, I, I I don't know but uh... I think this is the first I remember hearing of it um, and it's kind of surprising that you know the person she talks about this with is basically a stranger I mean it's James Kirk it's not one of her friends here on board the Enterprise uh, yeah Kirk has a way of, of kind of getting in there with people right yeah, I like how they are fleshing out younger Kirk. He's, he's still brash, but he's a lot more like open and outgoing mm-hmm. in uh, a, like a kind neighborly way than I would suspect from Captain James T. Kirk, who is yeah. a little bit more aloof and you know might you know not 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 check in emotionally with every crew member that he sees. Uh-huh. Um, but also, her is an attractive woman, so maybe that's. Uh, <laughs> That helps on yeah that's a that's one point on james kirk's scoreboard for sure yeah like uh some dude in sam's science department's lying bleeding in the corridor and just kirk steps right over but uh-huh <laughs> same to, to crewman in a miniskirt with... i'm sorry yeah. do you need assistance <laughs> for sure uh speaking of james kirk boom he beams aboard here he is uh he's met by his brother sam and they go to the bar Sam's feeling inferior because of um, I'm going to call him Kirk. I'm going to call James Tiberius Kirk Kirk and I'm going to call Sam Kirk Sam. How I have in my notes. He has not earned the name Kirk in my mind. No. He's shaming the name Kirk, obviously. Yeah, Yeah, his anthropology. Get out of here. Get out of here with your your studies. Uh, Yeah, Sam's feeling inferior because of Kirk's recent promotion to first officer of the Farragut youngest ever first officer uh, same same post I think as his father or, or no he's, his father held the record pre- previously for he's youngest the previous officer, the youngest, youngest first Starfleet officer. officer to make first officer and it's making and, and, and I think Sam's got a point here because it's, it's mm-hmm. always kind of bothered me that Starfleet talks about how their exploration first they're not a military organization but you look at what they value in terms of like people they promote it doesn't seem like you know have you ever seen a science officer captaining a a starship uh i guess you have to go to command it so it's like it's it's uh, what starfleet values uh their core values versus what they promote seems like you know they they like that cowboy they like that person that kind of goes out and breaks things and fucks shit up um and especially out on the frontier right yeah, and who is doing, who's, uh, doing the hard work. Able to handle any situation that might arise. And yeah. maybe science officers aren't uh, qualified for that. I don't know. I feel like that there should be some kind of like parallel track that you have. Like that, you know, um, 
you know, like you, you can't be, you can't command a starship, maybe, but why couldn't you have the rank of captain? Like, why isn't the chief science officer on Star Trek a rank of captain? And you know, mm-hmm. maybe as third or fourth in command of the Enterprise. Um, I think they have that with like the Bever, like is because it wasn't Beverly. It's like she was in the chain of command. I thought maybe not. She might have been. I mean, Spock ends up captaining the Enterprise many times, right? When Kirk's yeah doing other things and or he is, like when he, he's he is, away he or definitely came up in the sciences yeah he's a science yeah. officer so I, I think you can get pretty close but it seems like command is where you want to be for sure if you want to captain a starship yeah yeah but and then on tng I, I mean you've just got two command officers in line it's like also it might like it's also i imagine frustrating to have like a really highly functional uh ambitious uh, sibling because like even like you know if we, it, there's it's easy to think like god damn if this guy was never born everyone would love me because I'm doing so well but they're just doing better and it sounds like the Kirk's dad is kind of an asshole who <laughs> is giving all the love and the sunlight to the the James over Sam uh, mm-hmm. that's that's not good so yeah J- J- Sam's got a lot of good reasons to be to be jealous I don't know. I'm also sympathetic to Kirk's point. Like, look, I just did the thing the dad was going to be most proud of. Am I to blame for that? Like, you went and did your science thing, and that's fine. I went and did the command cowboy thing, but that's what dad likes. How can I be blamed for him liking the things he likes about me? Yeah. And having ambition. Like, it has nothing to do with Sam, really. I, like I said, I understand Sam being jealous and Sam thinking yes. this is unfair, but I also think that it's ridiculous to think that Kirk has to apologize. Yeah, and Kirk's not very diplomatic about it, right? He says, "Oh, well, why didn't you do the same things I did instead of wallowing in a right. science in a lab?" Yeah, and I'm like, that was well, that was a bad choice of words. Man. See, that's make me think that like maybe he's showing signs of that his dad's personality, and maybe yeah. that's why he's more the guy he is in later Star Trek. But, um. No, I, I and I, I wonder if we'll get an episode, you know, like we eventually met Riker's father. Uh, uh-huh. He had a difficult relationship. I wonder <laughs> if we'll get like, I think that'd be a fun episode. S- Sam, Jim and their dad They're and good. seeing their dynamic <laughs> as brothers with their dad. I think that'd be a cool episode. And it, would, it might change my mind about this whole situation because maybe Sam's got more of a point than I think, because it could be that Kirk plays into that a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. there's ways as a sibling, I think you can help like you know diffuse some of these family tensions and there's definitely ways as a sibling you can inflame them and i'd give even odds about which one kirk is at this point i want to see sam and his dad joust american gladiator style that's what i want (laughs) (laughs) just like riker yeah the the, the riker method Uh uh-huh uh-huh yeah, work it all out, boys. Work it out on the the aggro crag or whatever. What was that? What was that sport they were playing? Was that the Parisi squares? It's not Rack the Gino. That's the that's the, the coffee. That's yeah, the gambling game. Oh, is it? No, Dom oh, that's Jot. the drink. Yeah, gotcha. Dom Jot is the that's game. Gambling. Rack the Gino is the drink. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely. I don't know Parisi yeah. squares. That might be what they were playing. I can't remember. Because I remember there's like one episode where like they all had shore leave at a star base and like Worf and Tasha were wearing like 24th century sports outfits and Riker's mm-hmm. like, where are you going? Where there's a Parisi cha- square championship or maybe I don't know. I, I, I could be remixing things, but yeah, possibly American Gladiator Q-tip battle uh-huh. between the Kirks <laughs> it's penciled in season three. Perfect. Uh, so the systems are coming online. 
and over on the refinery and Pelia says, uh, we found something in one of the functioning systems and I had to take it offline because it points to sabotage. Beastie boy strike again. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to more of this here in a second. Um, cause it's just kind of the setup for what comes later. Uh, then Chapel and Spock are playing 3D chess while they try and define their relationship. Wait, relationship play 4D through... chess. Oh, no, it is 3D chess. It's 3D, yeah. Wait, well, we play 3D chess. We do play 3D chess technically, but on a 2D board. Ah. Uh, right? So the board is 3D. The chess, I mean, is in, all chess is inherently 4D because without time you can't move pieces. <laughs> yeah, so I guess that's true. 5D chess? I don't know what they're playing. I was trying anyway. to think of, like, what, what is that canonically called on Star Trek? Is it... I think it's 3D, 3D chess. 3D chess? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes dimensional chess. But yeah, they're playing 3D chess, and they're talking yeah, they're about their... Talking about their relationship, trying to define it through a quantum superposition metaphor. Uh, Christine kind of wants to just let it be whatever it is for now without telling anybody. And if Spock, and she's kind of getting annoyed that like Spock is being his logical self. I wonder if she would rather have human Spock back in this moment to have this chat. Or is there the idea that like maybe she thinks Spock is a, being a little too possessive and clingy, like wanting to define her, like like we just rushing last into it. Night. Maybe you're wanting to define the relationship. You want like yeah. And also maybe maybe she's also scared that if they tell Sarfleet that there'll be some kind of you know. But I, I don't know. Also, yeah. like, is there the awareness that she's kind of a bit of a not exactly a home wrecker because they're on a break, but like the fact that she is splitting up a relationship and she wants to make you know before we make this all official, like maybe we should. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I think there's a lot of complexity to this. There's a there's a weird cold offputishness about Chapel in this scene. I thought she's also trying to beat him at chess. True. So maybe she's just distracted from both things. Right. But right. but yeah, you're right. I, I felt like it was so hot and heavy at the end of last episode that it's kind of surprising that that's been turned down a notch here. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, the, the marriage <laughs> is a huge complication, right? The, the potential future engagement, because it could be back on. At some point. Well, they could play because like, I always thought of Kurt. Uh, I, Spock always coded conservative to me, you know, like most hmm. Vulcans are. Like they very, they respect history and tradition and doing things correctly and by the books. And uh, I think that extends to their love life too. And so hmm. like you see mm-hmm. the, t- and it could be that the Nurse Chapel's more of like, yeah, yeah, I love you. I don't know. We like boning, but like, I don't know if we have to label it the thing. And, um, and it feels like there's a little tension of her wanting a little, you know, maybe that's kind of like now that this is actually happening, it's not like, oh, Spock's my cool space boyfriend. It's like, oh, God, is he wanting to pawn fire me up? And am I, am I going to, I might have to mind meld with his mother in law. That seems like a fucking nightmare. Oh, like, it's God. like, it's just maybe it's feeling like it's going too fast. I, I couldn't quite figure out exactly the vibe, but it's something. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm with you. Um, and then Uhura shows up and Chapel and Spock uh, she tells Chapel and Spock that she doesn't think she has deuterium poisoning because she heard the signal before her exposure to the deuterium Chapel says uh, you should probably sleep but that's the last thing she wants to do so she goes to the bar where Kirk tries to strike up a conversation and she is not in the mood um, 
I'm, I'm going to take it all the way to commercial here, the commercial break. When she gets in the corridor, she sees a bunch of dead people and herself who promptly attacks her and she swings on herself and comes to with Kirk on the floor with a busted nose. Commercial break. Um, a lot to like here. I like that the, uh-huh. the payoff of Kirk being a chess genius where across the room he diagnosed that Spock was just two moves away from checkmate. Mm-hmm. Um, from getting checkmated, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And also yeah. like Ahura trying to fend off James T. Kirk and he's doing the whole like, hey, I'm not flirting. I'm just like, which I think at this stage of Kirk's development might be genuine. Like, like I think that like... A guy Baby. like Kirk is so successful to women that like if women uh, if a woman comes up and says clearly puts him on the friend off ramp I think he's cool with that like, okay yeah there's you always know. another around I got, another I've invited 17 head. girls today just today to, yeah. to, to join me at Starbase for drinks <laughs> and so, 15 of them accepted so. <laughs> right so like, okay yeah I don't need a 60 I'll just be friends and and also uh-huh. like the thing is is like I think he is a genuine friend to her in this episode. Like he ne- never tries to take yeah. things romantic. He, you know, shows concern for her. Because uh, he knows he's after her. If he does. Yeah, no, I think he's uh, he's a pretty stand. He seems like he's trying to be a stand-up guy, and a guy like Kirk, I yeah, guess, could I... afford. You know, he's not Kirk because what Kirk's not. Kirk is not desperate. No, 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 no. I think more than anything, that's the the unnerving thing when you're dealing with the dude at a bar. It's like someone that feels like there there's a whiff of desperation about him, and that you just never get mm-hmm. that with Kirk. Uh, I'm disappointed in the ending of this scene right before the commercial break because her comes to sees that she has decked Kirk and his his line is not nearly as good as it could have been he should have said something like now who's hitting on who right yeah they play it straight like it kind of like a mild outrage of like i said i wasn't trying to hit on you but yeah but he got hit and i feel like there's a there's a pun here to be had and they don't go for it and i was disappointed i didn't sense its absence but now that you pointed out yeah they left they left they left some things on the table yeah where's the the wit and charm of kirk come on yeah maybe that hasn't developed yet quite as much just uh just a lieutenant almost a commander uh, and then we come back from commercial and her apologizes for punching Kirk. And uh, here's where I was worried that things were, that, you know, Kirk's intentions weren't uh, genuine here because she takes him back to her quarters to patch him up. And I'm thinking, oh, mm. <laughs> where's this going? Uh, but Kirk, you know, nothing untoward. He tries to help her figure out what's happening to her and takes her medical record to the Farragut to see if anyone else has had some similar experiences lately. Yeah. Uh, our dermal regenerator is kind of like the band-aids of the future because she just kind of has one in her quarters. It must be, yeah, something like, that you ah, can... I cut myself, you know, slicing yeah. onions or whatever with pike. Guess I'll bust out the dermal regenerator. There's probably something, just like, you know, band-aids don't, you know, like if you get a deep enough cut or a big enough abrasion, like band-aids don't cut, you should probably go see to the emergency room, mm-hmm. you know, but a broken nose. I actually thought that was kind of him looking out for her because like, you know, it's like, hey, instead of going to sick bay and trying to, you'll fill out paperwork on why you assaulted a superior officer why don't we just you know but you're right that could have been very ulterior motive and good on Kirk for not not explaining that it it felt like a potential setup to try and get in her pants but that'd be the last thing Uhura needed in this episode oh yeah so then Una and Pelia go to the source of the sabotage and find a Starfleet officer just freaking out 
talking about you're not real, this isn't real. Uh, Una calls in a mer- medical emergency. Uh, we find out this guy's name is Lieutenant Ramon. Hmm. I got no. Th- I got nothing. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> okay, cool. Let's <laughs> Accurate summary of the scene. Next scene, Uhura sees a vision of the Enterprise being attacked and the bridge crew being sucked out into space. And she comes to on the bridge with Pike telling her she's supposed to be on medical leave. And that, I, I, I mean, it's pretty obvious that this is not actually happening, right? Like, they go so big with this vision... I, I don't know. I, I kind of knew instantly that it wasn't real. Well, her not getting blown out to space was my first big tip off. But, well, but yeah. yeah. I mean, anybody I, getting blown out to space was my tip off because they're not going to kill it. Pike and Spock in, no, a, in just yeah. a random attack where, I mean, they literally can't kill Spock. So true. I, um, I think that, uh, I really like the conceit of like them, you know, kind of starting a scene and you think that she's doing this, she's sleeping in her cab or she's this, and then they find that that, you know, um she's in the middle of a vision. Yeah. I, I like that they did that two or three times and uh like I said, it's not like they're pulling the wool over you, but it's 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 cool. It's cool. It makes you feel a little off balance, uh unsure of yourself, like you might be going crazy too. And and I always enjoy when they, they put you in those positions. You know, there's like that classic mm-hmm. episode where the universe is shrinking around Beverly. Mm. and mm-hmm. you know at first it's like yeah maybe there's something wrong with me or maybe something wrong with the ship and it's like something wrong with the universe and but like also no one else around you know it's uh, that that stuff adds a lot of psychological spice to the episode and I think they pulled off real well, real well here yeah and then Pike takes uh, her aside and he's gonna talk about what's going on Kirk comes in says he heard about Ramon and the Farragut had a call about him as well um, so there was definitely something going on with him. Uh, why does Kirk go on the bridge to say this? Uh, why doesn't he just like hit a communicator and talk to Pike over that? Is that what you're asking? Because he's doing all this on Uhura's behalf, right? That's why he was checking into this stuff. But I, yeah, I just don't know why Una Chin Riley didn't like instantly say, hey, we found someone sabotaging the thing since mm. you're the fleet captain like why does Kirk is the first to know about? I don't know I, I, it wasn't clear to me other than the writers wanted Kirk to uh, hook back up with Uhura through the episode that like why he would be the one to barge onto the bridge and be like I don't even serve on this ship but uh, got some important information <laughs> yeah I can't, I can't remember exactly but um, might have come from the Farragut too I, I'm gonna say yeah I think Ramon might have been from the Farragut and uh, so his his medical records on the Farragut were what tipped Kirk's hand. But and then Pike's he first officer him. is the one that found him, and Pike is the fleet yeah. captain. Like the, the chain of command. Like how did Kirk find out about it, and then sprint? Like he's off, uh, presumably on <laughs> yeah. shore leave or some kind of. I like, leave visiting his brother on his ship, and he just mm-hmm. sprint. Like you know, like I don't know. Just it's, it seemed it he, seemed a little out of place for me. He did an emergency transport to right outside of the doors. Sure. <laughs> this is sure. this is how he earns his yeah. youngest first officer ever titles, right? Like, yeah, he's using emergency transporters left and right. People not, are n- not by walking the decks. You're not. No, you gotta, no. Yeah, yeah. You got you got to You got to steal some of that time back. Mm-hmm. He's got he's got zero steps, but he's got that insignia. <laughs> uh. 
anyway, yeah. Um, Uhura starts wondering if any of this stuff is real because uh, they take Ramon to Mbenga who says speech centers of his brain are fucked and he tries to scan him and Ramon attacks him and runs off and she's freaking out and then Kirk tells her, oh, look, this is all real and they go after Ramon. Yeah, he viciously attacked Mbenga, like sliced his chest wide open. Yeah, <laughs> Mbenga's like, doctor, heal thyself. No problem. I got this. It's a flesh wound. Give me the subdermal regenerator. Uh-huh. Um, I did think it was wild. The security just starts firing what looks like lethal shots at him. Those did not look like stun. No, they're causing like, all kinds of sparks on the frame. And, and God, they're a terrible shot. And that's the thing. It's like, it's one thing. If you want to argue in the 21st century where all we have is guns, apparently, that you get a mental health call and someone's got a knife and, you know, they do something aggressive. You start opening up a... But this is fucking Star Trek where they can turn force fields on like individual mm-hmm. hallway segments. It's insane to me that the security officer just opened up on this guy. I get yeah, it. He assaulted I... an officer with a knife. He's a dangerous guy. But like you could lock <laughs> uh-huh. a transport a beam, beam him right to the brig, throw a force exactly. field on him, set a fucking phaser to stun. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember. So so my mind is tainted by the experience of TNG and Deep Space Nine era where they can track people in the ship based on their communicator signals and they know where you are at all times, lock onto you with a t- transporter. Do they have that capability in the original series? I don't remember. I, that's a good question, whether they're that kind of precision. Because if they do, know. all of this is pointless. Like this whole chase for Ramon across the ship, they should have just transported, like you said, right into the brig. Yeah. No harm, no foul. But he's in eyesight. Like, you could just, like, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. say, hey, shut down this corridor. Boom. But, uh, yeah, yeah I, he I might have like, ripped yeah, off his just... communicator. I don't know. Oh, that's and not also, even a communicator. Well, they're not communicators. Yeah. Just there. I was about to say, See? it's like the thing is, yeah. <laughs> TNG, man, it's messing with me. Mm hmm. Uh, Anyway, I, I also like Uhura not knowing whether it's real or not. She's like, is this any of this really happening? Because it's, it's like, yeah, what the <laughs> fuck? Uh, so Pike hunts Ramon and finds a body, a dead body in his wake. Uh, the power gets cut and Pike thinks Ramon's headed toward engineering. So they kind of follow him. Um, and Uhura is also hunting Ramon and she begins seeing things again. This time it's the corridor closing in on her. And Kirk's there to kind of snap her out of it. And she says, I'm going to go back to sick bay. Don't, don't bother coming with me. Just keep hunting for Ramon. But she does not go back to sick bay. Why does she lie? Cause I took, maybe it, she's I, on her I'm... way back to sick bay when she, cause she's doubling know. back. Right. And then later they say, Oh, Ramon must have hid and we passed him. So maybe she's doubled back. And just but on she's, her why way would to she head? I don't think you can just accidentally wind up by the main nacelle access when you're wandering back to yeah. your crew quarters from sick bay. And the way she, like, maybe she's just being cautious, but like the way she goes away from Kirk with the gun, phaser drawn, uh-huh. flashlight in the hand, like it seems like she was still in hot pursuit. And I think that she had an idea that he would be drawn to the nacelle room i'm not sure why but that's my yeah. like i think she had a hunch and maybe it was because the aliens themselves are doing some kind of mental directing i, I don't know but mm-hmm. it could be that she was just heading back and just saw the blood and decided to but like i don't know it felt being like she's shaking it felt like she's shaking uh kirk to me 
Yeah, a little bit, um, based on the way it was filmed. Anyway, Pike and Lon run into Kirk, and they decide to double back, thinking that he hid somewhere behind them, like I said. Uh, and then Uhura finds blood near an access hatch and calls in Ramon's location. She goes through the hatch and finds Ramon tampering with a console. She tries to talk some sense into him, but it doesn't work, and he starts a sequence that results in the nacelle exploding. Luckily, Kirk is there just in time to beam himself and Uhura out before they die. It's funny because the outside... Okay, I got two problems here. Number one, this fucker freezes solid to like he's cracking like the T-1000 dipped in liquid nitrogen. Which, as like we all know, happens seconds. the moment you go into space. The, you Again, freeze. Star Trek, do better. Because <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, you just, yeah, that's just, that's not how any of this works. You don't, you mm-hmm. don't freeze solid. Your eyes come out of your head. I've seen Total Recall. I know what happens. Sure. Now they did that. That's based on science. It's freezing stuff, not. Um, the second thing is when you see the outside shot of uh, is Lieutenant Ramirez, Ramon, Ramon, yeah, getting blown out to space. It looks like that whole fucking nacelle is going up in flames. Yeah, I don't know how the Enterprise is like not completely stricken, has to limp back to starbase kind of thing. Maybe it's mm-hmm. maybe it's just it's like a engine backfiring and. You know, all that like the explosion came out the side vents that apparently you can open up and it's not as bad. But man, it looked like the whole nacelle was going up. Yeah, totally. Maybe they more bar- the Pella can just do out in deep space, you know. Maybe they transplant one of the Farragut's nacelles and strand Kirk out there. <laughs> They're like, look, hey, we're pulling- the flagship. We got to get going, man. I'm the fleet captain. I got places to be. Give me your uh-huh. nacelle. Yeah, because <laughs> that doesn't take long to swap out, I'm sure. You also, it's the exact same size and shape. He just got going around with one. Oh, no, he takes both. He wants a match set. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. Otherwise, you'd be lopsided. Yeah. You might just do yeah. donuts when you go into warp, right? Yeah, you don't, you want, don't want to do warp donuts. That's not good. <laughs> no. Use up all your deuterium. <laughs> Give the Milky Way a yard job in subspace. <laughs> <laughs> just kicking stars all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I, I Fuck your stellar nursery. red alert here comes an ad break let's boldly go back to the episode welcome back to baldly go Uh, uhura then asks pike to confine her to quarters thinking she's gonna end up like ramon yeah he doesn't think it'll come to that. He's pretty laissez-faire about this whole thing, considering Dude. the cell just exploded. Pike is insane for this. Like, uh-huh. confine her to quarters. I don't see any problem sure. with that. If you don't want to do that, requesting ass- it, yeah. assign her a medical staff to just follow her. It's like, hey, mm-hmm. if she starts wigging out or doing anything wild, mm-hmm. you know, here's a hypo spray. Apply to the neck. Like, I, the fact that you're just letting... Per- we saw another... Per- like, Ramon killed a person. Two people, well, uh, and himself, right. and and I know my, and I also like was some that person in a body bag. Um, was that no? That was remote. Okay, because I was wondering how many people were in the nacelle when it went up too. Like, surely there's a few engineering people, right? Maybe point is, is some were injured, but two were dead for sure. You got a crew member saying, "I think I'm losing my mind." Confine me to quarters. And another crew member who's lost her mind has just killed a bunch of people. Like, maybe you'd do that. I, th- I thought Pike was wild mm-hmm. for this. 
Yeah, he maybe has too much faith in his crew when they're slowly losing their minds. Like, it's not well, her can, fault, like, but yeah, get her in her quarters. What's that line? Like, you can trust a person, you can't trust a drug. You can trust yeah. a Starfleet yeah. officer, you can't trust a space madness. Mm-hmm. Like, once you have space madness, like, then that you're not dealing with <laughs> Lut- uh, uh, Ensign Uhura or whatever she is now. You're dealing with, uh, you know, Ensign Second Class Uhura suffering from space madness. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Confine her to quarters. She wants to be confined. Yeah. She's she's afraid. Help her out. Yeah. Pike, anyway. Uh, a little, little too be, be, trying to be Captain Nice Guy. A little, little too much, I think. Uh, here's something that blew my mind. They have access to Ramon's personal logs, medical files, so Pike decides to go through them and see if there are any clues to what's going on. I thought, based on prior episodes, you could not access personal logs without months of red tape and several admirals signing off on it. What I, I thought, thought it was damn near about impossible. Because he was dead. Is it posthumously <laughs> it's just free for all on everybody's personal <laughs> logs? Ah, yeah, like instant red shirt just dies. Let's go through his pad and see if there's any weird porn on it, you right? know. And we can make fun. We can make fun. We can make fun of him uh, in in ten forward. Nah, yeah, yeah, we need some juicy goss for the funeral ceremony. <laughs> like, what the fuck, man? Well, I mean, I think it's a difference in like a security officer wanting to get into someone's records just cause versus a fleet captain. Like, maybe there's an expedited, like, there's a criminal, there's some kind of criminal investigation, sabotage, guy lost his mind, led to death of crew members, trying to figure out what went wrong, they're dead. Like, is there, like, yeah, maybe there's a fast track for that kind of thing. Possibly. I, I'm I'm a little tongue in cheek with this, but they did just tell sure. us it was a huge no, hurdle dude, to overcome. Uh, Goddamn, start. Uh, uh, yeah, and it's it's this is the thing is it's like I'd be more upset except for this is such in Star Trek's DNA. Yeah, because these totally. things like any given episode is written by seventeen different writers, and that's like truly they would like kind of write these on some of them respect scripts and pe- people or uh, whether they've read the technical Bible was all over the map. So like this does happen to star Trek. I always like it when they avoid it, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think that, that uh, the captain requesting a dead per- crew person's decryption when they're investigating a crime is a little bit different than a Lieutenant junior Lieutenant security officer wanting to read someone's records. Just cause I guess. Well, it was part of a legal investigation into Una, uh, her status, right? And, like, the captain's log and when he knew what he knew and all that stuff. Well, yeah, because, like, I guess you're saying when you're talking about treason against the Federation, that would also be something that would... Uh, High crime? That that, that would, that would uh, you know, fast track a request to open up someone's logs. You would think so. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, the, you might be right. It might be a posthumous and emergency I'm just, thing. I'm just, I'm just trying to square that circle. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then we go over to Lon, who strikes up a conversation with Kirk, and it gets pretty personal pretty quickly. Um, you know, I get that from Lon's side certainly, but Kirk's just opening up left and right. He's talking about his relationship with his dad as a kid and how that's affected him as an adult and with Sam and all this stuff. And then Lon, you know, kind of, I don't know, tries to make him feel at ease a little bit here and then excuses herself to go finish her rounds. And Kirk reminds her about that drink. He owes her. 
Yeah, I like how they're playing this just right. Like when she sees him in the corridor the first time, mm-hmm. you can tell it's like affecting to her. But she's also fucking on Noonien Singh and she's not going to like fall apart or cry in a corridor. But like you can tell like this takes a lot out of her like this. Mm-hmm. She cares about she's, him. She's falling in love with this guy and he doesn't yeah. even fucking. Sus- and the, but then also the fact that like he every time she sees him, he seems like such a great dude. Like he remembered uh. her name, remembered like, you know, her face and. Uh, in fact, that they they did set up a date at one point, and he's mm-hmm. kind to strangers out of the goodness of his heart, and she's like, "God damn it!" But she's probably also super worried that if she develops any kind It'll of relationship f- with him, she's going to let slip. Up. Yeah, well, the 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 experiences they had, right? The temporal cops are up her ass, probably watching her every second of every day, and literally. He could legitimately fuck up a timeline. You yeah. Know? So she's kind of deathly afraid of getting close to Kirk, but in this moment, she kind of brushes up against it. Yeah. I wonder if she could play it, like, how cool she could play it. Like, if she just, like, goes through and meets Jim Kirk at the Starbase for drinks, because that's something I could do as a Starfleet lieutenant, and did a mm-hmm. temporal cop show up and be like, what the fuck do you think you're doing? You gonna have drinks with uh-huh. this man? Hey, look, mm-hmm. well, I'm you know, say it's anything. like, I didn't manipulate the timeline, dude, and so he just says, ah, I don't know. I don't right. know how they, they'd feel about that. He has drinks with everybody. There's nothing strange about this. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's a I really like funny thing. A he's She's not even the first Starfleet lieutenant that he's time, had a time-traveling relationship with. It's awkward. <laughs> yeah. He's got three other Starfleet officers with, with similar... Uh, either uh-huh. he's he's dated them in the future <laughs> past, or they dated him, and it's, it's complicated. The hilarious thing would be if we later get an episode... That shows us that Kirk has also had the same experience where he's gone forward in time or something and had a whole thing with Lon and they're both hiding it from each right, other. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think Lon's doing a better job since he's just nakedly uh, uh, setting up dates and stuff. But but yeah, that would be funny. <laughs> he's had the talk with the cops. He's been like, ah, it's just a drink. Means nothing. I'm talking to the man to beat the Kobayashi Maru simulation. You think these temporal cops are going to give me? No. <laughs> No, I'll just update a couple temporal records in their database and beat mm-hmm. them in fourth dimensional chess, and Bob's your uncle. We're fine. All right, Una and Pelio are working on the refinery, and it's almost back online now that nobody's sabotaging it. Uh, Pelio asks what Una's problem is, and Una calls her a space hippie. And so Pelia says she's got a stick up her ass, and then Una fires back again, and Pelia says, fine, I'll have a station online in a few hours. She's kind of tired of arguing, I think, at that point. I actually like this scene. I thought it looked like Rebecca Romaine is having uh-huh. a lot of fun playing the stick-up-her-ass character that is trying to be prim and proper, but then when Pelly is like, just, yeah, let me have it, she just, like, it's with, before the words are even out of her mouth, she's just launching, you don't respect authority, and you're sloppy, and you're unprofessional, and are those crumbs on your uniform? Like, this, like, it goes from, like, <laughs> okay, these are pretty, to, like... Shades of Spock wanting to end Kirk last last uh, episode for not bussing his table, right? Like, uh-huh. you know, some petty shit. And which which lets Pella understand it. Like, this isn't about me. This is about yeah. something else. Yeah. Which is kind of annoying because, honestly, I could see someone being infuriated by her just on the things that, yeah, like. The space hippie aspect yeah. or the spaceship yeah that's and i also like the fact that pella took like so much offense to that you know like she's been called a lot of <laughs> things but i've never yeah space hippie Ugh. and in the final you know shot that una fires here I, I think 
it's it's interesting. I want to ask you if it hits home, if it, why it's accurate. But she says, you've been in Starfleet before I was born, and yet I outrank you. Why is that? And it's meant as an insult. Like, you are sloppy. You don't take anything seriously. You're just kind of fucking around out of here. The rest of us are trying to get stuff done. Why isn't she higher ranked if she's been around for potentially thousands of years? I think it's because she doesn't care. Like, that's not like she's in this as an intellectual and, like, relational building thing. Um, it's not like she was super passionate about engineering the majority of her life from the 20th century or 21st no. century. She was didn't know anything about engineering. So it's like I, I really think mm-hmm. she's just kind of a vibes person. And right. uh, she probably doesn't want to be like, Does is there anything about Pella that, make, that indicates that she wants command? No. This is probably the highest rank she can get away with in Starfleet without being like, slap behind a desk or like going to have to order people to their deaths or some shit that's not fun at all that's not those aren't vibes and you would usually have a ton of autonomy i think as the chief engineer right i mean look at scotty scotty's always just running around the ship doing his own thing until there's a desperate emergency and he's got to like fix something that's broken in a certain amount of time but other than that he's just kind of doing his own thing he's not Mm -hmm. going out on away missions he just doesn't have much to do the only time so, people yeah. are up your ass when stuff's broke. If stuff's running like a top, then you're probably right. left alone. A lot of freedom in that role. It's probably what she likes. Yeah. Uh, although, <laughs> less freedom on the flagship, I would think, than some podunk True. ship out in the middle of nowhere. So, what's she doing here? She also likes prestige, I guess. Kind of wild that she ended up, Excitement. maybe she really likes teaching, but like I, the thing that doesn't square with me is her teaching at Starfleet Academy, because I feel like that's the least freedom, like you're almost not even in Starfleet at that point. Like you're not exploring the galaxy. Yeah. You're preparing other people to do the thing that you, they, so like I, it's, it's kind of wild that she lasted as long as she did mm-hmm. in, uh, it's in, kind in of wild that they let her be chief engineer after hijacking the enterprise. That's, that's kind of wild. No reprimand for that whatsoever. Yeah. Cause it all Star- turned out. Okay. Yeah, Starfleet's a little kind of piratical <laughs> that, like, the ends justify the means sometimes, you know? Yes. All right, Kirk watches Ramon's personal logs. Again, he's just got a pad. He's just watching it on his iPad in Uhura's quarters or whatever. Personal logs! Personal logs. Uh, anyway, based on those logs, Uhura realizes she doesn't have much time until she loses her mind. Kirk tried to che- tries to cheer her up with a cookie and a joke, but it's poorly timed. And then they have this conversation about how Uhura... So she's always struggled with the weight of her family's death and Himmer's death kind of brought back all these issues with it. And Kirk tells her to stop trying to forget the memory of those people and instead hold on to them and thereby reclaim them from death. So she he leaves and she watches uh, Himmer's tutorial again and has an epiphany that we'll get to here in a sec. Yeah, this part, this is another one where I, I felt like this is not quite connected because she talks about how she is so loath to see, you know, to, to go back and revisit memories of the people that she's lost that she cares about. Yet the episode opens with her watching Himmler and smiling and kind of being nostalgic uh, on mm-hmm. her iPad. It's like, yeah, the, the little like smile I, she gives earlier doesn't quite work. Yeah, like I, there's there's so one of those scenes should have been rewritten or cut, and that's another mm-hmm. one where it's like not everything a little like it's, it's a little Pella like in the craftsmanship of this episode, a little little sloppy, some crumbs on some writer shirts, I think, 
Um, <laughs> yeah, instead because, yeah, of smiling I, at the end of that scene, she should have like steeled herself to open the video. That, that's what should have happened. Yes, you should mentally she prepare herself to distressed, see him. Or and maybe even have the like computer. Can you uh, send this through a speech synthesizer and spit me out of uh, like a text? So like so, so she's so uncomfortable she can't watch it. Yeah. But, that yeah, they didn't tell that story. Too. And I gotta mm. say this: I, I've found a lot of the speechifying on this show to be surprisingly good, especially when how bad it got in uh, Picard sometimes. Oh yeah. I think this Kirk speech is like word salad about letting death not win and you don't let death win by remembering your people real hard and if you try to free, like you're letting like what the fuck like okay um i mean i think yeah, there's, well, there's, she's actively trying to forget these people by not thinking about them right and so death has claimed those memories but if she can remember them fondly remember you know not how horribly they died in shuttle accidents but Remember the good times with them. She's able to reclaim that from. No, death. like I said, the, the general advice of like you need to deal with your feelings and your grief, and you can't just keep putting it off. Is sound. It's just the way he expressed it, and the metaphors were. Mm-hmm. Well, he had cookie on the brain. He was True. thinking about that big old chocolate chip cookie. I always think it's cute in these series when they make it seem, and it it, it, it might be correct that that there is subtle differences between the replicated versus like. You know things that are home cooked, like uh, Picard uh-huh. always, you know, had this grousy thing about the, the caviar. Ah, uh, you know, this is never as good as the the real caviar. The 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 synth- synthesized caviar is just never the same. And here mm-hmm. Kirk's saying like, oh, these aren't just replicated cookies; they're fresh baked in the the mess. Like, I I think that's cute that you know replicators yeah. are, are are not the perfect end all be all that uh, we think they are. They they struggle with some things. I also like that Kirk is kind of struggling to relate to what her is feeling in this scene because, like, this cookie thing, <laughs> does he really think... I mean, maybe this is what James Tiberius Kirk thinks of most women, but he thinks a cookie is going to cheer her up when she thinks she's losing her mind? <laughs> like, what kind of child do you take this woman for? I and think she just sets him straight immediately there have the potential to cheer up any human regardless of their mental states and it's a worthy thing to try uh-huh. uh, if, if you I, if I he, had just shown up to that nacelle where ramon was with a cookie it never would have blown up <laughs> um i think he handled it pretty pretty good there's one other thing i wanted to say um oh the other thing about kirk giving this speech about you need to accept death and like uh, the sometimes this is the guy who cheated so he didn't have to deal with the whole fucking Starfleet exam on dealing with unwinnable conditions and, and death. This is the well, last pre- guy that you, should be lecturing people death, on. And then if you can't prevent death, you learn how to deal with it. I yeah. guess, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Because <laughs> like, his, his whole thing is like Kirk doesn't want to admit defeat and it blows yeah. up in his face. And like this is a weirdly more emotionally mature version of Kirk. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I guess what I don't changes? know if it's like it's them like being a little bit sloppy Joe or if it's like they're like, well, it's 2023. We can't have we can't have 1967 Captain Captain Kirk. We're going to have to like make him a little bit less of a wild man. But I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, Hura has an idea and takes Kirk uh, over to Sam to get some help. Sam pulls out a theory about extra dimensional life forms attaching themselves to atoms from our dimension 
and that they might have attached themselves to the deuterium atoms in the nebula. And Uhura thinks that they're using her thoughts to say that refining the deuterium is killing them and or torture. Yeah. Sam for sure hosts a series on Uhura tube about extradimensional aliens, right? I mean, he's going to write a whole paper on it. Why not? Yeah. That mustache is just an affect he does for you here too. Um, yeah, no, like I said, this was this stuff was pretty cool. I like the idea that um, you know these are extra dimensional beings, and I think what they're trying to get here is like the whole idea of you've you know like try to try to understand extra dimensional beings is like imagine you live on a piece of paper and you're a two dimensional stick person. And someone draws a line in front of you, and that's a wall to you. But like as a third person, dimensional person above the paper, you that line doesn't is, is, is not a wall. You can cross over that just by going around or above. Or like, what would it look like for a three dimensional sphere to pass through this two dimensional person's space? And it's like you'd first see a point when the sphere just touches their dimension, and it would slowly get bigger, 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 bigger circle until you're right at the you know the uh, what do you call that the di- the full diameter of the circle. And then as it continues to pass through that plane, it would get smaller and smaller and smaller and disappear. And that would look like a phenomenal supernatural event to that person on 2D space. And Mm -hmm. the thing is, is that kind of gets you an idea. But like we have no idea what it would look like for a fifth dimensional being to penetrate three dimensional space. Like it kind of gives you an idea of like it would look weird and wild, but we don't know. And mm-hmm. and they're postulating that this would be something that's invisible and imperceptible, but still somehow has effect in our matter, entangled in our matter. And they're getting sucked into these scoops and getting ripped apart in the engines. I, I thought it was a, a, a cool idea. And then the whole universal translator, you know, that they are beaming these intense psychic feelings and emotions and, like the in the 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 universal translator which i guess works this way i don't know that they've ever talked about it that it um you know has there's commonalities in the way beings communicate ideas and it lights up certain sections of sentient beings brains and those patterns can be analyzed by the computer to like detect speed like it, it it's not even like it feels like the universal translator would work like almost on a mental connection but i don't know it might just be they haven't really thought that through but yeah. the idea that these aliens are so powerful or they're so inexperienced that they're literally it's like uh, pumping in too much wattage through a, you know, a communication device just burning it out like their speech mm-hmm. centers and their brains are getting destroyed, uh, driving them crazy. I thought that stuff was really solid sci fi stuff. Yeah, because they're screaming at the top of their lungs saying, right. stop this, you know. Right. And maybe they haven't the whole time, but like, you uh-huh. know they've been trying to shut this thing down for weeks, months, and yeah. now they're getting to where they're screaming, yeah. Uh, so, Hura takes the matter to Pike. She calls him, tells him he has to shut down the refinery, which apparently went online five minutes ago. Uh, it's not responding to shutdown commands, so Hura fights her way through the visions to make it to the bridge where she explains the situation to Pike. She tells him they have to blow up the refinery, so they do, and... That's it. That's it. Pike says he'll take the blame and then sends you to bed. I liked how the indicator of success was zombie hammer. 
Yeah. Like he's on the bridge. Argh, argh, and as soon as they blow up the 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 sh- the, 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 the the gas station, he's just like regular himmer with like a thumbs up. Yeah. Like <laughs> the contrast nodding. Was, yeah. was funny. Um, they it didn't is. look like Pike was a bit taken aback of Ahura taking command over the Enterprise's weapons batteries. And uh-huh. um, there are a couple of things that are strange like that in this scene. For one. Yes, he's like a little dismayed that she's giving orders over a fleet commander here to his ship, but so what, right? She's but you, he's th- going to do it anyway. You have to sweat, like you, like if you. Okay, there's a couple ways that I wouldn't be bothered if if like they didn't cut the uh, pike and have him go like, God damn, she's firing my to- photon torpedoes now. I wouldn't uh, think much of it because, like, I don't know. Or if he'd said, like, uh, you know, Ensign, I'm sure this will be a relief to you. I'm letting you give the order. But, like, I think it's a big deal for a junior officer to be firing off photon torpedoes mm-hmm. in front of the commander and his. Especially when this decision about it. is a big one, right? Like, Starfleet is counting on this outpost, not just for fuel, but for surveillance of the Gorn yeah, also territory. Also, he's like, wanting to take, like, the full credit or full blame for it. Like, maybe that's what they're saying is, like, that this this makes sense of him saying, hey, don't worry about it. I, it's, I'm going to take on all responsibility. But like, yeah, I I, I thought um, if if they filmed it this way, like Pike is bothered or like raising his eyebrows, it should have been addressed, um, or they shouldn't have gone there. It's my my opinion on it. Yeah, I was also a little disappointed that when her is like, we need to blow up the refinery. Uh, yes, I'm sure about that. We're killing them. You know, Pike asks her, "Are you certain of this?" She says, "Yes." I've never been more certain of anything in my life. And then Pike looks to Kirk and Kirk gives him a nod. And I don't like that. Like, I want him to trust Uhura over this random fucking lieutenant that is not even part of his crew. Like, believe Uhura, not go, not go get like Kirk to verify. I mean, I know she's in a compromised mental state and Kirk is not, but you're either going to believe her or you're not. You're not going to fire torpedoes based on based you're on this if you don't commander. believe her. You just heard that there's life forms 30 seconds ago. This person is suffering from fa- space madness. I didn't because I didn't take She's it as like an in-group, out-group, a man, woman. Like, oh, it's, it's more of like this is a crew member who is suffering from an intense delusional state. And maybe before I launch torpedoes at the station that could be crucial to the Gorn war effort. Which again, Gorn are pretty fucking bad, mm-hmm. you know. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Then then the, the, I, I guess that made sense to me. I didn't have a problem with it. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. But if you Kirk has more facts him than like, he does too, right? Like Kirk knows Kirk's had all this explained to him more than twelve seconds ago, and has yeah. thought about it. And Pike just doesn't have the info he needs to make the call, so he goes to the next most rational person although like know. yeah like he's the cowboy so it's like yeah like you're, you're if you're looking for jim kirk to say <laughs> no to blowing shit up you're probably not going to get he's probably not going to be that yeah. break very often he doesn't hate the gorn enough yet mm. he will he will wait till he's forced to kill one with a bamboo bazooka that's going to cement mm-hmm. yeah those gorn didn't look nearly as scary as the gorn we got now no no, they're going to look kind the, the, of hilarious the, in retrospect. The, the chubby slee stack looking uh, 
with the polka dot from the original uniform. series yeah yeah <laughs> not not super those guys are splitting dudes open through laying eggs inside of them turns out apparently who would have known anyway yeah uh whoo the, the other thing i like about this scene is pike is taking a very extreme action here potentially with massive consequences to himself and oh, he'll yeah. never know if he made the right call there's no evidence that he could point to that says this was the right call or not well he's just got to take it on faith the other thing i thought is like okay if using a Bassard ram scoop and refining them is painful what is setting off three photon torpedoes going to do to them what is unleashing How? the destructive energy of the very creation of the universe in the middle of their home going to do? Like, that's just, ah, ah, that's that's a gentle massage. Yeah, I do wonder how reactive the deuterium is, uh, how unstable it is, right? Will this, like, set off the entire nebula and, oops, they've just genocided yeah. these beings? Dude, or I don't, I don't know. Is deuterium pretty stable until you put it through the refining process and then into the engines? It's well, but what does even stable mean? Because to me, it's like like it won't cause a chain reaction. Uh, yeah, I, I bet that, but like exploding, that is going to move that deuterium around. I don't know. I, I thought it was a little bit funny that like uh, yeah. And, and why maybe it's you just have one to last big entire... ouch, and then it's, it's, it's then it's over. It's over and done. Sure, it's, it's like, like ripping a off the rip it off. off. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's like using a dermal regenerator on your nose. Uh. <laughs> The other thing is, why did they have to blow up the refinery? Because it was the most expeditious way to do this. Couldn't they have just like cut the power to it so it stopped running? They said it wasn't responsive. So I think they they if I, I take it at the word that they tried everything they could have. Yeah, so um, phaser of a plasma conduit or some shit. Like you don't have to blow the entire damn thing up to stop it working. At it, yeah. beam, beam back on the station and shut it down manually. But I'm, if you're killing and torturing people... Just more evidence that Pelia is sloppy. Pelia is a space hippie. Well, she I'll say this, I actually liked down. it. I actually liked that, that Pike was so quick to like, oh, I have a credible report to my crewmen that we're killing new life and new civilizations. Fucking shut it down. And it, like, that That's is the such, most important thing, right? It's yeah, like it's like get back. This is the federation I recognize that will mm-hmm. sometimes uh, take short-term losses to preserve and protect the ideals that they cherish. Um, yeah. And you know, as they made this point many times this episode, like, what's the point of going out and finding new life and new and and, and new forms if you're you know uh, your very act of exploration uh, or exploiting this nebula is destroying it? Like, I, I like that, mm-hmm. and I like the federation. Uh, that the, the Pike was so quick to like, even though this is so important to the Federation. So is it, you know, like in like, you know, real politic, is it kind of insane? Yes. But I, I like that, that that's, you know, 300 years mm-hmm. in the future that we're that reflexively protective of something fragile and beautiful and, and unique and living and innocent. I, I think that's cool. I, that's the Star Trek that, uh, I, I, that, 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 that aspirational message appeals to me. All right, next scene, Una tells Pelia that uh, the C that she got as her student in Starship Maintenance 307 is why she's angry at her. But Pelia says, nah, it's because I remind you of Himmer's death, which is much more spot on. Una recognizes that, yeah, she's actually not mad at her for the C. Do you think it does kind of blow my mind that Unich and Riley got a C in engineering because she wrote a sloppy paper? That seems very... Mm -hmm. 
But it could be that like she's talking about sloppy in the terms of your thinking. Like I think you could characteristics uh, characterize Una's thinking in terms of troubleshooting as sloppy. Like you're you're mm-hmm. laser focused on the problem in front of you and you're not getting a big picture, which would suggest she hasn't grown much as a crew member. But I don't know. Well, she's uh, not whatever. A, it, she's not an engineer, right? Like she's in logistics. She's not in science. But we just Pike put her on this job because she's so meticulous and organized, and yet the well, it was sloppy... an or- he thought it was an organizational issue that was a problem, and she's working with the chief engineer. So uh... I, I think like, yeah, I, I think Pelia's here is the one who's like supposed to be really repairing this, but Una is kind of taking over from a logistics perspective. Yeah, because she doesn't like yeah. Una because she reminds him reminds her of him or. Yeah, I still don't know that I buy that this particular person wrote a sloppy engineering paper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it could just be she didn't write the engineering paper that uh, Pelia liked. Anyway, Uhura and Kirk share a drink. Sam congratulates Kirk on his promotion, but when he expects an apology in return, he doesn't get one and he storms off. And then Spock is introduced to Kirk by Uhura. And they all three kind of sit down all three members of the crew <laughs> that we're going to recognize minus chapel uh, from the original series are here. Star Trek cringe. It's a, a weird bit. way to play the scene to have Uhura look at them shaking their eyes and be like, ah, oh, fuck. Yeah. They're shaking hands. Like that's the moment I've been waiting for. Right. Again, that's, that's like, this is the whole, uh, make the ship go. Like there's things that we as a fan, like, huh? Huh? Yeah. You see that? Huh? Um, that I don't know that it's appropriate for the character. Like, why would Uhura? Like, I mean, there's a satisfaction of like, I'm I I like this guy. I like this guy. They'll probably like each other. I'm putting them together. Um, but like, it was like this kind of knowing, like, fuck yeah, it's Spock and Kirk shaking mm-hmm. hands. And I like, just thought it's the like moment. it border like it's the it's it's they didn't make it a big a very big moment. And the way they made it a big moment is have one crew member who shouldn't be like huh huh get it viewer huh this is a big momentous thing happening and like i don't know feel feel a little weak a little weak next to me next episode of her goes to the future sees the spot kirk enterprise comes back now and she's avoiding the temporal cops but she's slyly putting them together yeah yeah, yeah. that's just true that's true they can <laughs> the temporal cops can fix a lot of problems with some of these every single issues. crew member has had an experience with every other crew member in the future and they can't talk about it that's what's happening here yeah what would be the funniest uh, thing I, for Uhura to flash forward to her kissing Kirk <laughs> on the gladiator planet her doing the naked fan dance mm-hmm uh, her trying to bluff her way through a Klingon checkpoint like <laughs> oh god <laughs> so many great Uhura moments yeah uh, it, it did feel like a big moment to me as an audience member but maybe not maybe not with the rest of the episode um, I, I like the way that they end this episode you know they kind of sit down they're clearly going to talk share a drink and then the camera just kind of drifts away as some jazz music plays I, I thought it was a appropriately uh, toned final uh, thing to leave this episode with, but it's yeah. Overall, it felt a little misplaced. It's weird because it's the kind of grace note you usually get at the end of a season. 
That's what uh-huh. it felt to me like, like a big ch- closing of a chapter. It, it, it's like very classy, the slow pull out through. Are they calling yeah. this? T- what the name is? What is the name of this fucking bar? I, I don't know. I don't know what the TOS bar is called. All right. Uh, turns out I looked it up. It's called uh, the Port Galley. I don't know if they've named that on the ship, or if it did, it's probably something that Pike just threw off. And but yeah, there's and it implies there's an aft galley. Yeah. Or I'm sorry, starboard galley. Star- starboard galley. It's got to be more hmm. than one galley on Enterprise. But yeah, I, I think it's a cool. It's a seems like a massive upgrade over Ten Forward. An upgrade? I think so. Oh, I, I was, don't know. I was like Ten Forward view. looks like a, a big conference room that has great view. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were working with 80s technology. Yeah, it's all that 80s set hotel lobby looking shit. Because the original series bar <laughs> does not look like an upgrade in any way. Yeah. Did they have one? Uh-huh. Yeah, they, a couple of times they used that. I remember in the uh, Tribble episode. Yeah, right. That. Like, uh, and then like in Space Mat, because I remember uh, a fight breaking out between Chief Scott and somebody. Yes, that was, I think that was in the That's Tribble the episode, one? yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, you're right. That was enough. That was just a closet. That's a broom closet of Desilu <laughs> yeah. that they they, they uh-huh. threw some Art Deco shit into. Um, all right, I forgot what we're but but yeah, the ending of this uh, was it, it, yeah, it's because it's treating it as a big moment, mm-hmm. and it is a big moment. Yeah, it's a weirdly anticlimactic big moment. But that's it. That's the end of the episode. Shields up! Here come the ads. At ease, Ensigns. Welcome back to Baldly Go. Uh, if you would like to send us feedback, you can do so at Star Trek at baldmove.com. Several people took us up on that offer. Let's consider their feedback, Jim. Nicole K is first, says, loving your coverage of Strange New Worlds. I do have a quick question. Aaron mentioned something about Vulcans aging more slowly than humans. If that's the case, wouldn't Spock's mother be much older? I was also recently watching the old movies, and she didn't look to be much older than him in those two. How old do you suppose Spock is supposed to be in Strange New Worlds? So I was wrong. I thought Spock was like like 60s, 70s, 80s to Kirk's 30-something in the original series. And it turns out I'm wrong. They're both like uh, the, uh, Kirk and Spock were born. I think Spock is three years older. Hmm. And because uh, he was born in like 2260 and Kirk was born in 2263. And they are like in right now in the I think Spock would be in his late 20s, maybe 30. And Kirk would be like 26, 27. Okay. So they're very young people. And I I guess I buy Amanda Grayson being, you know, like, you know, with 23rd century technology being in Mm her early 50s. Hell, she's 40, like 42 in real life. So it's like it's not that big of a stretch. Um, so yeah Uh, Narl says in reference to your brief discussion about the models versus CG in Star Trek I've been checking out the old series on Paramount Plus in between episodes and they have replaced all their models with horrible late 90s early aught CGI it's an absolute travesty and kind of hurts the eyes practical effects are forever that stuff is for never have you know what he's talking about because I've seen these remastered Star Trek episodes the original series or yes oh I haven't seen the original remaster I'm going to try to find one that I, cause like I remember seeing these for the first time a couple years ago and I remember thinking they looked good. 
because mm. the old models looked bad in some cases. And especially, I, there's an episode about it with a Romulan Warbird, and I remember thinking the Romulan Warbird looked a lot cooler than I remembered it. But it might be, be yeah, mm. it's been like maybe 10 years, so maybe they... Because uh, that's the thing. Like, you look at special effects on television shows even 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Holy hell, there's a huge gap between movies and TV. And nowadays... I don't fucking know. I don't know that I've ever seen yeah. a movie as good looking as like Foundation or mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't care for the show itself, but I, I thought that the uh, Lord of the Rings thing, the Amazon is like it, it had some jaw dropping looking things. I, I There's no yeah. difference between movie and television effects at this point. Maybe they need to re-remaster it. There you go. Every 10 years, we can just remaster all of Star Trek, except for DS9, which they're apparently never going to fucking touch. A four by three aspect with the bad dude. Yeah. You can't get the like the original thirty five millimeter because like those are problem. There's problems with thirty five millimeter scans and that like if you do them widescreen, sometimes like you'll see mic booms and shit yeah. because they that wasn't intended to way. But like you can't get the th- they 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 that there's just a shit broadcast quality. Yeah, they've never remastered those even on Paramount Plus. They haven't done what they did with like TNG. I imagine Voyager got the same treatment because it was it, that that wasn't uh, high def. That's a travesty. Ready. That that would be a travesty if Voyager got remastered and DS Nine did not. D Space Nine needs to get. Yes. I wonder if they just threw away the thirty five millimeter because like that should be an easy project. Just fucking scan the thirty five millimeter tapes. I mean, yeah, you know, for something a, the size, it's expensive of, to to rescan stuff at high resolutions and there's a lot of it it's not just a movie right it's like seven seasons yeah. of 26 episodes true. each so true hundreds of hours of that uh mark says you were talking about the relevance the relevance rather of kirk and the old series to today's newer star trek fans i'm a long time trek fan i was a young kid in the 60s during the original broadcast of the old series so i've grown up a trek Longtime fans by necessity have a particular point of view regarding the old show, given that they've experienced the show and it's all art incarnations that kind of blinds them to how new viewers would view the old series. However, I vicariously have been able to experience seeing the old series for the first time by watching reaction videos of younger viewers, typically millennials on YouTube. Hmm. There's one YouTube channel in particular I've been watching, Target Audience, that has a mission of watching all the Trek content in release order. They started with season one, episode one of the old series. Okay. Of course, the man trap. Um, and they're currently in the middle of the run of the animated Star Trek series, which ran from 73 to 74. The two guys running the channel have been asked multiple times about what surprised them most about the show giving its age. They both agree what surprises them the most is just how well the old series stands up today's world. Obviously not the acting styles or the production values. They recognize it's a 60s show after all, but what stands out to them specifically are the compelling character relationships and the many and all of the compelling storylines in the episodes. They even found a certain episodes to be very relevant to today's society. For example, season three's Let That Be Your Last Battlefield. They quickly caught on to the special relationship of the big three, of course, Kirk, Spock, McCoy. And for them, this really became a hallmark of those older episodes. Uh, my point here is I wouldn't necessarily be quick to dismiss the relevance of T.O. Uh, the, the old series to the first time modern viewers. Obviously, they didn't ever go out of their way to watch it. They'll have no idea how significant the show is to current mm-hmm. character relationships and newer shows. But I wonder how many new viewers will go back to watch the old series to see what was just a big deal with that show. Um, I mean, you're not wrong. And as 
an old series enjoyer myself. Again, I was a Star Trek fan just like two or three years before the next generation came out. So I was already a big fan of particularly the movies. Uh, I'd seen Mm -hmm. most of the old series because it wasn't exactly as easy as just dialing up Netflix to watch it back in the day. But I've seen all the movies and most of the the series and I've read a bunch of the novels and then Star Trek Administration came out. And you're right. Like what's great about the old series is the chemistry between, you know, DeForest Kelly, Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner and how they interplayed as their characters. And it is in my mind, I know that Jim fights me over this, but then he's not seen all the old series. I think it's the best. I think that's the best bridge crew. Uh, in terms of like the big three, like, uh, the next generation, yeah, it's not a big three, and I think that's yeah, special and unique. It's a big and, two. and and <laughs> no, it's like what's what's yeah, the big Picard three? Really, you don't think data? Because I think I think I find it hard to separate Picard, Data, Riker, Geordi, Troy, Worf. Oh, it's a big seven, and Beverly. Yeah, I do. I do think that that's that's the fucking bridge crew. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, like like it's it's hard to imagine how dominant the the holy trinity was back in the old series. But but that's the way. But like you, you know, these millennials, you know, obviously they're doing this for content, and you know, they had a. I, I just think it's it's if if people want to go back and watch it, I think it's great, and they'll probably be rewarded, um, especially if you give it a season to kind of fully acclimate. But it's also a big ass to have somebody go back and watch these yeah. rough old shows, you know. That, that's the thing that that always strikes me is like how few younger people will actually do that. I think if they did, yeah, they'd probably appreciate it in the light that you want them to appreciate it in. But also, they're just not gonna because there's so much new content, even in just Star Trek, even in this franchise alone. There's plenty of new content to keep them busy. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it's a matter of like they they won't enjoy what they're seeing. It's more a matter of when will they ever have the opportunity or the incentive to go view it. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like, it's like, yeah, that's the thing. It's like I'm dealing with the fact that like I really want to watch The Godfather of My Son, but I know he'll think it's a boring piece of shit right now. So yeah. I'm going to have to wait until like he's at least 23, 24 before I even try it. And there's it's like... I'm he's 30 years older than I was and it was kind of a big ass for me to go back to watch this old movie you know I mm-hmm. I think it's my it's now my favorite movie of all time but like I there's going to be a point where the godfather is so old and so unrelatable that even though it's going to be like uh you know uh the citizen kane mm-hmm. like oh it's a brilliant movie but like it's nobody's favorite right and I think that's where right. the old series is at right now it's great for its time very nostalgic but and and there are going to be people that like you know there's 16 year olds right now discovering Casablanca and thinking it's the greatest thing since slice but those are exceptional people not that they're great it's just that they're (laughs) They're you know they're at the the extreme ends of the bell curve of of being able to appreciate uh and it's a big ask and I always think when I when I meet someone that is able to appreciate that stuff I think oh wow that's really cool rather than like why don't all these whippersnappers appreciate how amazing Forrest the Kelly was when he'd cock his eyebrow at something stupid Spock said, you know, or calls him a green-blooded Vulcan or what, you know, like if if you can't appreciate that, good for you. If not, I totally understand. I'm getting an itch, man. I'm getting a Star Trek itch. I don't know if you know what this feels like, but I just, I'm almost done with my DS9 rewatch. 
I got about a season and a half left of that. I've been watching some good Star Trek lately. I'm, I'm feeling like I want to go back and watch some more Star Trek, fill in some of those gaps. I think it's the right call to do TOS first. I think and so, because it's, it's a short commitment. Voyager? I, I'm, I might be getting insane here, but I kind of have an itch to go fill in that gap of Voyager. No, we talked about this offline last <laughs> night, and I'm kind of... <laughs> I'm kind of feeling it too. It's dangerous because uh, I remember how I felt about Voyager. I'm just wondering if now 20 years, 25 years, however long it's been later, I'll be able to appreciate it more. Well, your expectations are different. Like my expectations mm-hmm. for Voyager when I was watching it was like, this should be right out of the gate as good as TNG and Deep Space Nine were. And that's not, I wasn't even a fair expectation for Voyager because right. the next generation fucking sucked for uh-huh. all of season one, most of season two. And but it Deep was Space contemporary Nine... with the tail end of a very good Star Trek series. So like, right. and right. contemporary with the beginning of a Star Trek series that I think starts out the best of any of them. Deep Space and Nine. I, yeah, but still I think season one is undeniably the weakest season and there are some pretty weak episodes in that first season. And Voyager, sure. like maybe Voyager oh, yeah. gets her shit together after episode season two and, you know, goes on just fine. I wouldn't know because I, I boned out a second that seven of nine showed up, which I guess is kind of when this show grows out its beard, pops its collar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind giving Voyager a second chance. Um, the old series would be a lot of fun to rewatch, but uh, yeah, maybe in the off season, I'll take a look at those. All right, last email. Alan says, maybe I'm just a dirty, dirty fuckboy myself, but I've never understood this. Why do people believe that when a guy gets dumped, even if it's softened by couching it as we need to take a break, he has some kind of moral obligation to remain celibate for a period of time? Screw that. Um, okay, here's the cheat code. You don't have to give a shit what she thinks unless you want to get back together with her. And like... <laughs> Spock in this thing as that because because yeah if you never you're like yo fuck fuck me fuck you then yeah go go fuck go dick down nurse chapel the very the very day your betrothed your Vulcan betrothed that you shared a mind meld and and Katra with do that but like don't expect her to be super fucking happy that your actions which demonstrated a lack of trust and caused your fiance to be confused asking for a break and some time to think about things don't ask her to do you any favors when she comes back and find out that oh yeah i just went on a fucking mad bender through the the junior officers of the the enterprise's medical division like Mm -hmm. you can have that expectation but you will be disappointed so yeah like fuck yeah like yeah fuck uh to pring if uh you're spock and you don't ever want to give a shit about her ever again but i don't think that's spock so i think he's being foolish yeah, no. The way he left exactly it was like not. A fuck boy. We're done forever. And the way he left it was, we might get back together. We just need some time to think about this. Yeah, and again, it was his fuck up too. Like it's not mm-hmm. like you know, Tapring was just like you know, I just I'm just. It's she. He. I think kind of has historically done her a little bit dirty, mm-hmm. and uh, he's doing some fuck boy shit. And I don't think Tapring is a, f- a fuck boy appreciator enjoyer. So it's probably <laughs> not going to go well. I've you know, I've I've watched ahead. Yeah. I've seen the old series. I see how this goes. I've seen Cable right? Guy. I know how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've seen on one episode of Futurama. Mm-hmm. 
That's feedback for the week. Star Trek at baldmove.com is how you send us more. Uh, you can follow us on all social media at baldmove, except for TikTok, which is baldest move. We were late to the party and someone swiped some some seven follower account swiped in and got bald move. Secondly, or finally, uh, you can also support us at support.baldmove.com if you'd like to keep us going. Over half of our operating income comes from direct listener support, so we do depend on people thinking what we do here is of value. So if uh, we made you smile, made you laugh, have been your constant companions for several seasons of quality television, uh, check it out, support.baldmove.com, because you can start skipping ads and you get a whole bunch. There's even, believe it or not, even more podcasts with us in it, exclusive for club members. Support.baldmove.com. We will be back for next episode when episode seven drops. Star Trek at baldmove.com for the feedback. And otherwise, we'll see you then next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.